Hello, everyone. Welcome to Health Formation, the podcast where we give you health and wellness news to use. This is Katie, and I'm your host. And I just want to thank you so much for tuning into Health Formation today. I know that we haven't released an episode for a while. Um, And I'm so thankful that you are sticking around with us despite that. You may know that pharmacy has been an integral part of the COVID vaccine rollout. And where I work, I've played a large role in organizing those clinics and just helping to reach vulnerable populations in our community and immunize as many people as we can. So if you are familiar with that, if you've helped with that, you know that there is so much that goes on behind the scenes with just gathering people and doing all the admin work and the paperwork is crazy. So it's just been a lot on top of all of my other regular duties of working in academia as a pharmacist. And I am so thankful to be able to help with this. Um, I'm very grateful and I love what I've been doing. But as a result, some of my other regular duties, um, maybe have been taking a little bit of a backseat. So for that, I apologize. Um, But I do have two great episodes that I've recorded already that I am bringing you one of which today. And then Marcus and I have something in the works as well. So content is coming. So thank you for sticking around um, with us through this little unintentional break that I've been putting us on. So today we have um, an episode with a pharmacist that I used to work with. Her name is Devin. And Devin um, has been popping up on my social media lately, just looking fantastic. So I actually reached out to her to see if she wanted to talk a little bit about her wellness journey. And so today we are talking about just how she kind of reshaped her view on health and wellness after she had her daughter, London, and how that has helped her to become healthy again and how she feels so much better now that she has done that. Um, And I just think that she brings a lot of information, a lot of great tips. And if you are interested in reaching out to Devin, asking her any questions, or if you're interested in the program that she's used to help on her weight loss journey, um, I put her contact information in the show notes. And if you need to reach out to us, or if you have any comments, or if you want to engage with us on social media, as always, health formation on Instagram is probably the best place to reach us. We are also can be reached via email at healthformation.podcast at gmail.com. So again, thank you so much for tuning in today and taking a listen and following along with Health Formation. And I hope that you enjoy this episode with Devin. All right. So today we have with us Devin, who Devin and I used to work together many moons ago in both previous jobs. Um, And recently, I guess I've been seeing many of Devin's posts on social media about her awesome weight loss. Um, So I wanted to get her on to talk a little bit about her journey. So first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share. Good. And we're glad to have you. Um, So I guess to start out, why don't you just tell us a little bit about your background, like where you grew up, obviously pharmacist, so where you went to pharmacy school, and then kind of your path to what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm originally from Robinson County. So um, Robinson County is like the poorest county in North Carolina. So city, Fairmont, um, small, very, very small city. Like if you've ever heard somebody say three stoplights, that would be Fairmont. (laughs) 
town. So from a really small town, um, I have a huge family. My grandparents had 21 children. So I have lots of aunts and uncles, cousins, and lots of family. I did my undergraduate at NC State, had a BS in biochem, um, and then I took a year off and I worked in pharmaceutical industry at a unit dose packaging um, facility. So pharmaceutical still, but um, I was a manager out there while I was applying to pharmacy school. And then I attended pharmacy school at UNC Eshelman, graduated from there in 2011. And then I completed a postdoc fellowship in the office of Dean Mumper um, and Carla White, who is now a dean. Um, So Dean Carla White now, um, an academic uh, postdoc fellowship there. I feel like I forgot that you did that. What was that in? (laughs) Uh, it was, it was academic. So it had two components. Like, so Dean Mumper was vice dean at the time and he had a molecular PhD component of that. And then Dean White obviously is, um, office of recruitment and diversity. So there was teaching, there was mentoring, there was lots of research. We got a couple abstracts and papers in, so different things like that. It was good and very administrative role in the school as well. Did you like it? I did. I learned a lot. Um, you know, you learn a whole lot in academia. Like it's a, it's a very <laughs> enlightening experience. Um, yeah. And luckily I was the inaugural fellow in that class. So I got to work with um, different fellows that were with other kind of academic profiles in the pharmacy school. So it was a very unique learning experience. Cool. Yeah. And then I worked at Walgreens, gosh, the whole time after that and did many things um, from just floating around and then managing the busiest store ever. (laughs) The one I inherited it from Katie, she gave it to me and did not warn me about all of it. But um, I guess she knew I could handle it. So, (laughs) yes, I knew you could handle it. And too, like looking back on that time, I always say this, like that was my first job out of residency and I was not equipped to go into that role. Like everything that every way that I managed when I was there was wrong. Like if I did that again now, it would be so different than what I did then. But I was not trained on how to manage in that way. And so now I'm like really intentional when I work with my residents to make sure to give them those skills because I didn't have them. (laughs) And I want people to know how to make, because that's the hardest part. Like I could be a clinician all day, but managing that team, that was rough. Managing that team and managing people. And I know it sounds bad, but when you work in retail, you're also managing your customers as well, Mm -hmm. because you have to set the tempo for what happens when they come back. So it's a thing. (laughs) And it was a very, very different clientele than what I was used to, because where I worked in Raleigh was a very much more of a poor area. And this is much more of a rich area. And like the way that you have to be is completely different and I wasn't equipped for that either (laughs) yeah it's a balance it was it was definitely a balancing act but um I enjoyed my time at Walgreens I miss some of the things about Walgreens I don't miss everything I do I I miss I miss a lot of it but currently um I'm at UNC um specialty um pharmacy so um I manage um mainly oncology patients so um leukemia lymphoma lung sarcoma head and neck a few of those and then I also manage all specialty disease states of um the affiliate health sites of UNC so any hospital that's under the umbrella of affiliate at UNC I manage the the disease states of those um, employees and their children yeah so it's been pretty cool journey I need to pick your brain on some oncology stuff because I'm drowning in it right now 
oh yeah yeah absolutely we can do these things I, I have I had to it was a steep learning curve so um oncology is totally different um than anything I've ever done like there's a lot so um I work very closely with the CPPs in the clinic and the and the providers and the and the and the nurse navigators in the oncology clinics just to make sure that our patients are fully ready for their chemo start so anytime there's a new chemo to start and patients are not restricted to other pharmacies they fill their prescriptions with us at the shared services pharmacy for UNC specialty. That's awesome. Those disease states in the affiliate health plan can range from, you know, MS all the way down to just um, psoriasis or all the general disease states. So uh, kind of a hodgepodge, but the main portion of my job is focused on oncology. I probably have about 500 patients, honestly, um, right around 500. So, How many yeah. oncology pharmacists are there? Um, we have three right now. Okay. Yeah. Sounds like you need another one. Well, there's one totally dedicated to just Rex. So that's the thing. <laughs> she only does Rex oncology because they have very peculiar um, specifications for what happens. And then we have another um, pharmacist who's dedicated to the rest of the UNC oncology clinics that I don't um, manage. Wow. So are you like in charge? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it is a blessing and a curse all at the same time. I definitely miss... Um, I definitely That's miss okay. like having an impact as a leader. Like I feel like, you know, when you're a manager or a leader or have a leadership role, like your voice is always heard, like it's not optional. And I feel like sometimes as an employee, not that it's a bad thing, but like everything that you say or think or feel um, is not, you know, valued as much um, depending on like how many other people have a say. So I definitely miss that part, but I don't miss the managing people and like solving issues and like dealing with the finances and the drama of pharmacy world. So I don't miss those things, but I do miss certain things about being a leader. Wow. Yeah. I, there's always some, whenever you get a new job, there's always like some give and take of some things that you miss and some things that you don't. So yeah. that's normal. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about you, how you grew up. Like, I know you said you lived in a, a really rural area and you had a big family. So how was food kind of viewed um, in your family? Obviously food is always really cultural too. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there was a lot of factors that worked against <laughs> the whole eat well. Um, and when I say eat well, um, so like eating to live versus living to eat. Um, that's kind of how I've been describing it. So like with a huge family, there was always more than enough food. Um, there was like four or five, six meats options and then like 10 vegetable options. And there was always more than enough leftovers for everybody to take home. And that is still the case. Um, anytime my family is together now, there's going to be multiple options of food, meat, desserts, um, all kinds of things, sodas, punches, you know, all these things. So we just grew up celebrating family and celebrating everyone events and celebrating everyone's milestones with some kind of big event or some big party and that always involved lots of food lots of drinks um mainly not alcohol my family's not really big on um, alcohol in it but you know sodas punches and teas and all those things um so definitely growing up um I was never forced to eat things that I don't like like I don't eat meat on the bone and like there's just weird things I don't do because of texture but um I was never forced to eat anything that I didn't like but I was always given what I wanted to eat and I think that's a another thing like and I'm really bad with it with my child too like if she doesn't like it I don't make her eat it <laughs> so um 
eating was just like a thing. Like it was like you eat this when we when you're somewhere you eat and when you go to someone's house you eat and when you're out you don't waste your food, you eat it. Like you eat all of your food and <laughs> that is kosher. So lots of celebrations um and I would definitely say that like learning how to not eat everything at one time is also a thing like cuz you just want to get everything. So like whether it's two plates or whatever, like if you want the mac and cheese, the dressing, the corn and everything else, plus the three pieces of cake, because there's chocolate, strawberry and pound, you got to get all three plus the homemade vanilla ice cream. It is. It's so social. And it's always like, there's always an overabundance of food. Anytime you have a party and you want to eat it all always. Yeah. And so, you know, with all of that growing up that way, like I was the party planner, like all my friends are like, when's the Super Bowl party or when's the Christmas party or when's the Thanksgiving at your house and all these things. So just learning to even do that, you know, even um, before I got married, like just cooking for myself, I would always cook too much and it still be leftovers. And then when it was just my husband and myself cooking for both of those, we always ended up throwing out food because I don't know how to cook for a small amount of people. You just cook, you know, a lot. So it's still a struggle. And um, my mom uh, moved in with us um, one day after my child was born because, you know, with working at Walgreens, it was nights or weekends. And my husband um, travels a lot for work um, pre-COVID. He's been home all the time now, which has been a struggle as well. But my mom still cooks like so much food. So I'm the one in the house who has to say no to everything. So it's definitely been a challenge, but it's been worth it, I would say. Yeah, and I think that, like when most people think of party food or comfort food or celebratory food, it always like nobody's going to say who's bringing the salad and grilled chicken or the carrots and celery. It's always like who's bringing the mac and cheese or the pasta salad or the baked beans or anything like that. So I think that kind of plays into the, I guess, miseducation that people have about like you said, living to eat versus eating to live. You want to enjoy the things you eat. And when you grow up in a situation where the like quote unquote good food is cooked in butter or fried or loaded with cheese or it just, um, it makes it a little bit harder than if you like grow up in a situation where more healthy food is promoted and kind of seen as more than normal. Absolutely. Did your family experience any like sort of health problems or anything when you were growing up that you kind of saw as a result of how how you guys ate or were as was everyone usually pretty healthy overall health I think everyone was pretty healthy like a lot of people in my family have hypertension so I don't really know if it's you know hereditary or contributed to by what we ate or you know the weight that we carried um so I I do my grandmother um I guess my grandparents died at a young age. I don't really know, like mid to late 60s. My grandparents died eight months apart. Um, You know, grandma died and then grandpa just couldn't do it without her. So I definitely know that there was hypertension. Um, My grandfather kind of collapsed in the shower. So I can't remember if it was heart attack or stroke, one of those things. And then my grandmother, um, her health declined and she had a stroke and then things declined from there. So I definitely think, you know, eating factors into all of that. And then also, I think another cultural thing for uh, Blacks or African-Americans is it's like home remedies. So like we're all, you know, my grandmother would put like, vinegar on her forehead instead of like trying to take blood pressure medicine so I can't say it was all contributed to diet it probably was more than that you know 
not being adherent to the things of the healthcare world during that time. And, you know, just kind of like trusting and believing in faith. Like if Jesus said that you were dying today, then that's your die date and your medicine is not going to help you with that. It's just a thing. So I definitely think a combination of multiple factors is that. What kind of point did you get to when you were like, okay, I am ready to kind of change my lifestyle. I'm, I want to, you know, get healthier, change how I eat, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I definitely think um, self-confidence and image was probably like the biggest rattler of the emotion around figuring out what was going on with food and like just lifestyle and, you know, being or looking the way that I wanted to look compared to others. So I won't use the word jealousy because I feel like I always compare myself to my friends and I've never really been jealous of my friends. I just always felt kind of like out of place in pictures and like places when like you look at me and look at them. So I can't really say I wanted their bodies or wanted their lives, but I feel like I always just kind of felt like out of place, like the big kid in the group, you know, <laughs> when we were out shopping or when we go on vacations, like I'm buying the cute swimsuits, but I also needed this, the cute cover up or like, you know, instead of buying like the tube top dress, I was the one who got like the dress with sleeves or, you know, different things like that. So I think um, really like as you develop yourself into an adult and you get to travel and like see the world and like do more things freely because you are able to, I think the image of what I look like meant a lot to me. And so balancing, like being the fat kid of the group was like a thing. So um, before I got pregnant with my daughter, I did the same nutrition um, program that I'm doing now. And I lost, it was either 40 or 42 pounds. I can't actually remember. Um, And then like just seeing the way that like I transformed by just completely revolutionizing what I felt and thought about food and how I managed eating, you know, totally was like, okay, this is easy. It's not that hard. Like, you know, the first two weeks, it was like a balancing act of like old versus new. But then after that, it was a lot easier to, you know, manage. And you said the like self-image, you felt better. Did you feel better like physically, like more energy or? Yeah, absolutely. Like besides like the image of who I am being different, like I definitely have more energy. Um, I'm able to work out more. Like I just feel better, like not as heavy, not as bloated. I'm not as tired, not as sleepy. And then, you know, like sleeping and then getting good sleep is also very completely different. So like, I can't really say that losing weight has dramatically increased sleep with a kid, but I can say that when I am sleep (laughs) or asleep, when I am asleep, um, I do feel like I'm actually sleeping and getting rest and don't wake up tired. I think um, one of the biggest barriers for people, because obviously I'm talking to people about, you know, changing their lifestyle all the time. The biggest barrier is just basically what you just said. It's just people are just so used to what they've always been doing that it's like getting into that new mindset of not doing that anymore and doing the new way. And you said, you know, two weeks in, I was fine you know, it only takes two weeks and then you start to get into that new habit of how it is. And then that's just how you eat now. I think it also requires like a shift in mindset. So like, you know, people are always focused on losing weight for like 
various reasons. If you're focused on losing weight because you want to be healthy and even if you just want to look good, like you're not going to quit just because it's hard. So I, I feel like it's the same thing. Like you wouldn't quit a sport because you lost the first two games. Like you want to finish out the season. Like you wouldn't quit college because you failed your first class or like you wouldn't quit your job because you didn't like your first day. So, you know, why is it optional to quit lifestyle changes when they aren't easy or simple? Cause yeah. you know, that's what I had to tell myself. Like, what else do you have to do? Like it's either you keep this up or you go back to what you're doing and you just stay unhappy with the way that you look. So uh-huh. it's like a mindset, mindset shift. Tell us. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what it is that you're doing. How did you switch your diet and what are you eating now? Yeah. So I was introduced to this program called Optavia. So it's spelled O-P-T-A-V-I-A. We do this. Yeah. At, yeah. We do this at my clinic. Oh, yeah. So um, I was introduced to Optavia by a friend uh, from work, actually, from Walgreens. It's a connection through Walgreens. And, um, you know, like just looking at the results that people get was like the first draw me in. So you look at someone who like lost 60 pounds in like four months or, you know, eight months or however long it was. And you look at the dramatic transformation and you're like, okay, I want this. So you find out what it is. And it's like, okay, that's all I have to do. <laughs> so it, sound, it sounds really serious. I um, mean, simple on the surface, but you know, as you dig into the program and you're learning the habits, like, you know, it's a change. So it's not as easy as it looks, but it's also much easier than a lot of the things that I tried. So um, Optavia has several plans, but if you want to, um, you know, lose weight and sustain weight loss, you start with something called the five in one plan. So you eat five of their meals and then you do a lean and green every day. And I think the really cool thing about the program is, is that not only does it help you lose weight, but it teaches you habits of health. So like you're learning how to prepare meals to sustain you and you're learning how to eat snacks to sustain you, not to fulfill you and make you full and like, you know, super heavy and tired because you ate, you know, way more than you can. Um, And also it's very easy. Um, Like it's easy. Like there's not a lot of work. There's not a lot of thought. Like you eat what you like. If you don't like it, then you don't order that in your next box. (laughs) And, you know, you just kind of keep up with the habit. And then once you develop the habit and you reach your optimal weight, um, you go down and you transition, transition off and you know what to cook for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because you have all these amazing lean and green recipes that you use throughout. Um, And for me, um, it flowed through my family as well, because we could all eat the lean and green meals together. Um, Of course, nobody was snacking on my bars and shakes and all those things. Um, But definitely, you know, learning how to cook healthier for everyone in the house as well is an experience, you know, or, you know, if I'm not doing the cooking and my mom is doing the cooking, then I know what to choose. And she also knows what not to make or what what she makes that I'm not going to eat. Like everybody's kind of aware. Was mom on board with the with helping with it? Yeah. So, I mean, she still cooks like rice and potatoes and like, you know, fried things and all the things. Um, but they also are very aware of the program. So there's always an option for me. So, I mean, I have an aunt who's also strictly pescatarian. So there's always some kind of fish um, made with every every meal as well. So that's good. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, when you first started, was it, did you have like full support from everybody at first or were you kind of like the oddball out at first and then people kind of came along with you or like how did that initial step go for you? 
Yeah. So uh, at first, I'll ball out. I would just say because it was just myself and my husband. So like my mom wasn't here because we didn't have a child. But um, it wasn't as oddball out because, like I said, he traveled tremendously. So there would be like maybe three or four days a week that he was in Charleston or like D.C. or like somewhere on the West Coast for work. So eating, you know, the meal plan for me was easy. But when he came in on the weekends or like those weekdays, he was like, what are we eating? And I would be like, lettuce. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, it would be totally different than what you know expect before like it wasn't steak and potatoes and you know a dessert with that it would be steak and you know salad and brussels sprouts and you know chicken and it wasn't always fried and you know there was just different options so I don't think it was resistance I think it was just like okay what's happening because this is not normal um and then this time around um has been super different because my mom is here and she's like I'm sorry I'm spoiled so let's just put that out there let's put that on the record um my mom is the dishwasher the bathroom cleaner the laundry folder and washer she is like the best thing ever so get you a grandma when you have a kid just have them move in it's like a great thing ever so like you know after I had my child like of course everybody who has a child like you don't do anything for like the first four weeks if you have help like people are just trying to do everything for you so like as soon as my mom moved in like she assumed the role of cooking everything And, you know, I only gained 13 pounds when I was pregnant because I had just like Optivia got me like 42 pounds down and then I got pregnant and only gained 13 pounds the whole tenure of my pregnancy because of the habits that I learned. Kind of what got me off a track, um, which is very realistic, was breastfeeding. So with breastfeeding, I wasn't producing enough milk. So the doctor's like, okay, we got to change what you eat. They asked me what I'm eating and they're like, okay, you're not eating enough, which is true for, you know breastfeeding, eating lean and green meals for every meal is not going to be ideal if your supply needs some work. So, you know, adding supplements and like even adding protein shakes and then like trying to get some fatty foods in there to help with the milk dropping and all that kind of just got me back into the world of like bad habits. So I was 60-ish pounds heavier than I was the day I gave birth to her. And I was like, okay, this is not it. I'm not dealing with this. Like, this is not you. Like, I was looking like oompa loompa in the face. Like, it was just bad. And I felt terrible. I wasn't rest. I was aggravated. My attitude was poor. And then, like, even more of the image thing. Like, I look at where I was and I look at where I am now. I'm like, don't take pictures of me. Like, I wasn't on Facebook. I was just like, okay, this is embarrassing. Like, it was just a lot. (laughs) So... Once I was able to like slow down, take a step back and be like, okay, well, I know how to fix this. I was just like, okay, I'm on program again. And this was a lot different because I was so used to like everything my mom cooked, just eat. <laughs> so once I told them I was getting back on program, you know, they were like, okay, yeah, whatever. You eat meat and vegetables and then you'll eat your little stuff. But it was so hard because, you know, there's like fries and like potatoes and I love potatoes. It's thing. I don't like sweet potatoes, but those white potatoes, they are the thing. Okay. <laughs> so it, it, it's been difficult because when I was controlling the kitchen, I could control what was being made. But now that, you know, I share the ship, uh, we share. Um, I used to be really bad at sharing, just make her do it all. But now that we share, I have to say no to the things that I can't have. So that's kind of the difference this time. And nobody's solely against it. Like my mom will be like, well, we can't have breakfast for dinner because there'll be nothing that Devin can eat. So like, you know, they don't have, they don't ever have breakfast for dinner because there's nothing I can eat really. I think one of the things you said that was really interesting too, was like your mood, you didn't feel good and you were grumpy. And just thinking about like how much what you eat and how your processing nutrition influences your mood and 
even, I mean, you didn't say you were depressed, but like people that have depression and that kind of thing, it's like so interlinked. And a lot of times people don't even think about your mental health when you're thinking about your, what you're eating as well, but it is so interconnected. No, definitely. Um, and that was another factor. Like, um, I mean, postpartum was like really dark and awful for me. Like it was, it was bad. Um, and I don't think that I knew how to communicate how bad it was to the people that I lived with. So like, I would just like get in the shower for like an hour in the dark and run like cold water and just like need to be by myself. And they would be like, what are you doing? And I'm just like taking a shower, you know, normal, try to make it look and feel normal. Um, and it took me probably, Gosh, I know it was after I went back to work. So I went back to work maybe like two or three months in. I can't remember. Um, and I was like crazy from work, crazy at home. And then like, you know, not sleeping at night and doing all those things. And like it hit me like you just need to get some help. So like definitely postpartum depression and, you know, kind of dealing with anxiety when returning back to work and like not feeling like a failure at everything. I'm trying to get back on top of things like the milk supply went down when I went back to work, you know, I had just perfected it all. And then I get back to work and I'm not able to pump as much. And like, people are aggravating me. I don't get a lunch break. I don't get a pump break. Like it was just a lot. Postpartum was a lot. And um, I started going to see a psychiatrist and actually a therapist. So, you know, um, both of those were very beneficial. Um, I was on medication. I went to therapy every week and um, I'm, excited to say, um, not that it's a bad thing, but I'm excited to say that I'm able to control now without medicine. And I still go to therapy every week because it's my outlet. And I think that therapist, she's like, you're so positive now. What happened to you? (laughs) Well, I lost 62 pounds and I feel better. Um, I sleep better. I breathe better. I move better. I exercise more. I make more time for myself. I've learned how to prioritize myself because I don't feel so bad about me that I make everything else that's wrong about anyone else you know I kind of focus it on me so I feel like I was angry with everybody because I wasn't happy and that's not really how you deal with life like you kind of just find what works well for everybody like I can't really define you know what what actually happened in my mind but I feel like I take a more active role in prioritizing myself and so like I'm not angry when I don't have time for me because it's my fault I didn't make time for me so that's not anybody else's fault but mine so like now I get up and go to the gym every morning um that's my me time and you know before it'd be like the gym sucks that ain't me time like I just want to sleep for me time you know and then I balance (laughs) that between work and like a book club that I'm doing at my church and like workout classes in between that, you know, different things. And I've spent way more time doing other things now. And I used to always feel like I didn't have time. And that's because I have way more energy. And I've also learned how to redirect negative energy into positive things. One thing I want to say is just with you talking about postpartum, a lot of my friends have recently had babies and just talking to them. I just feel like they don't like postpartum isn't really talked about that much. And like the way in the hospital after the baby is born, it's all about the baby immediately. And like, you don't think about the mom and like the care that she needs. And like the whole time during the pregnancy, it's like, you know, make sure that you're staying healthy and you're eating all the right things so that the baby's okay. And then the baby's born and it's all about the baby. And then you kind of just forget about the woman. Yeah. I mean, as a friend of people who've had a baby, you know, I want to check on my friends and make sure that they're okay. But at the same time, we're not really taught how to like communicate 
I'm not going to ask, like, do you have postpartum? But like, I want to communicate with my friends and let them know, like, if they have a problem or something. I don't know. I just thought that was interesting when you started talking about that and how you even said you didn't feel like you had anyone to talk to about it. I think that that's like way more common than we even know. Yeah, like you have so much support that you feel selfish for like saying that nobody's worried about you. Like everybody's worried about like what's happening at home. Is there food? Is the baby okay? Like everybody's just kind of worried about everything except for how you're feeling. So like even now, one of my technicians just went out on maternity leave and like I text her every other day and I'm like, how are you feeling? Like even before I ask how the baby's doing, I'm like, how are you feeling? Yeah. Um, Because I feel like no one asked me how I was feeling. (laughs) Everybody asked me, did I need anything? Or like, what can they do for me? But nobody asked me how I was feeling or how I was really doing you know it was all related to something else not what I was internalizing yeah and then the other thing um I think doing Optivia you do learn some of like those that behavioral change as well which is so important and if you just try to like jump into a diet and you don't think about the behavioral changes that you need to make in your day-to-day that is really going to be a hindrance I think in your weight loss journey so it was just something else. Yeah. And I mean, I went to nutritionist. I like read stuff and like some of the simple things that you learn on the program, like nobody ever told me. And I was like, I paid money for this. Like I would use my insurance. Like I brought books. I like did all these things that they told me to do. I wasted money on like stupid food or vitamins or things. And I'm like, okay, um, this isn't, this is an investment. Like it cost me money, but it's actually working for me. So like, it was totally different than anything. Like who would imagine that like eating six small meals a day, like, you know, people tell you, okay, eat small meals a day, but they don't tell you how to do that. They just tell you to eat. Yeah. They don't tell you what to eat. Exactly. Yeah. And the program makes the think work out of it. Like thinking, you don't even have to think about it. And that's like the cool thing. Yeah. I think I haven't seen this program before, but I put it up and just kind of like glance at it. And I think that that is a big problem. Like when people say that they want to lose weight and someone who like is, has good intentions, but they kind of just like tell them the surface level of what to do. And they don't really get into the how to do it or how to get by this period that's going to be difficult or all of like the little nuances that you're going to face when you go through it. So, I mean, I think the program's cool. What to do when you get hungry and what not to do when you get hungry. Exactly. how you cope with being hungry and like, it's not just eat. It's like, you need to take a step back, drink some water, figure out what you ate. Did you eat on time? Like different things, like what the other options are. Like it's, it's really important that you have like support um, when you're doing something like a whole complete lifestyle change, like, because you can eat fruit all day and not lose any weight mm-hmm. or gain weight because you don't know about sugars or you don't know, like nobody's telling you that you can't eat strawberries for every meal. Yeah. Like you just can't. And I think I like that you said lifestyle change because I, I absolutely hate the word diet or dieting. I think that that has a, a short term set point on it. And I think it's way more important to make a small lifestyle change than it is to make like a big dietary short term switcheroo. Yeah, I've, I've had a lot of people ask me and tell me, you know, like people ask me about the program and they ask me about all these other diets and I'm like, the diet is temporary. What do you do when you get off the diet? So I'm like, I have a plan every time I get off program. I have a plan every time I'm on program and I have a plan when I'm not on program. So like, you know, if I forget my bars or if I can forget my shake or if I don't have access to it, like I have to run out and then I'm like, oh man, it's time for me to eat. There's a plan. Like, you know, with these other diets, there's not always a plan when you don't have what you need. And in order to make a lifestyle change, you always have to have a backup plan. Like you have to have something to fall back on. So like one girl, 
she's like, well, I can just do the same thing on keto. And I'm like, yeah, you can also eat mayonnaise and a pound of bacon on keto. And then a week later, you'll gain all 12 of your Mm. pounds back. So you can, but what are you going to do once you start adding carbs back to your diet? You know, Katie, that's me. I'm fine. I'm just, I'm just that that way. I think it's great. I think it's great that, you know, people even have the initiative to try things like that because that shows that they want to do something. But I also hate it because it doesn't teach you how to live. Like you need carbs to work out. You need carbs to think. You need, <laughs> like your body needs carbs. So when you strip it of carbs and you add it back, it's a whole nother layer of trying to figure out what to eat. So when you do keto for nine months, what happens when you're plateauing and you're not doing anything and you're still just consuming all those fats and cheeses and all those things like what happens and instead of taking the time to actually talk about the fact that there's different types of carbs and some are good for you and some aren't we just get rid of all of them also i still never understand how anyone poops on keto you don't eat any fiber how is it possible i i i never honestly tried it like ketosis is a thing and i think that it's scientific and mathematical it's just not sustainable so like the data behind it is fine but this the sustainability of it is just kind of yeah, like it's for short term yeah that's that's yeah. my thing and i hate when people go to the whole like data of well my my blood pressure went down and my my lipids actually went down and I'm like well that's because you lost 60 pounds so obviously it's going to do that it doesn't have anything to do with the diet and then they're like well i eat I eat fat. That means I burn fat. No, you eat less calories. That means you burn calories. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand the eat fat, burn fat mentality. It's very weird to me. Do you have a coach on Optivia? I do have a coach and I'm also a coach now. Yay. Do you have any clients? I do. I have 10. Can you believe that? I have 10 clients in less than a month. I have not even been a coach for a whole month. And I have like two more people tomorrow that are going to sign up. So I'm looking at like 12 to 15 in a month. And it's been really cool. And I I think the other thing about the program is not only does it teach you a lifestyle change, but it teaches you about community. It teaches you about investing in yourself. Like there's books that come along with it. And it's like you learn about what health is and you learn about like sustaining a lifestyle, not only healthy life, but healthy bodies, healthy mind, healthy finances. Like there's a lot that comes along with it. Like, and and starting with simple things like good choices of food can lead to a mindset of making good choices about everything else. For example, I'm a spender. Like I like buying what I want to buy when I want to buy it, how I want to buy it. Okay. It's not on sale. Cool. That's fine. So like even being more responsible with eating has helped me be more responsible with my buying. I did like a 15 day don't buy anything fast at the beginning of the year. Like who doesn't buy things in January? Like it was very, very hard, but I like told myself no every day. And because I was having to tell myself no to chips and ice cream and like sodas and like New Year's alcohol and all those things, it was easy to say, okay, you can get these shoes after the 15th. And I got a pair after the 15th. (laughs) But I went a whole 15 days without buying anything, like anything. If it wasn't groceries or gas or like, you know, paying bills or whatever, I didn't buy it. So um, that was tremendous for me. And I've like never. That is good for you. No Amazon even? No Amazon either? No Amazon, nothing. Like if it wasn't groceries or like, you know, a necessity, like paper towels or something like that, I didn't purchase anything. And I think that that comes from like, you know, just sustaining this habit all over again and like being comfortable with saying no to myself. Like, So how many pounds have you lost? Yeah. So the second time around, I'm down 62. Um, and I ah! want to lose. Yeah. So I want to lose another 25 to 30 more. So I'm really big on like 
figuring out what looks best. So like, you know, there are a lot of standards set for us and there are a lot of things that you like compare yourself to like BMI, like I'm still off from my BMI, but I feel like if I get down to my BMI weight, I'm going to look like really just not okay. I I don't know a good word for that. Like I hate to use words like bobblehead and stuff, but like, I really just feel like I would be very unproportioned like all those things. So I'm, I'm going for a kind of like toner stomach and like a little things like I've dropped a lot of weight like all my clothes are like too big but I just kind of want to work on those problem areas and most of those are like my mommy problems areas like my stomach my arms and like things like that so trying to get these last 25 to 30 off and then figure out kind of where to go from there one question I didn't ask you but I know you mentioned you go to the gym every day so how do you feel like exercise has played into your weight loss journey Yeah. So um, it sounds really cliche, but, you know, the saying that like losing weight is 80 percent nutrition and 20 percent like working out is like absolutely true. So like I like to work out like I was even working out before I started losing weight. Like I've been working out with the same trainer, Alan, who is also my health coach. He just got into Optavia like I would say like two years ago. So when I first started working out with him, he wasn't an Optavia coach, but he met some awesome um, trainers who introduced him to the program. So now he incorporates both. But For me, working out is like um, an outlet for steam and it's also a motivation to like keep losing because like the workouts that I can do now are dramatically different than the workouts I was able to do previously. Um, And I'm able to like challenge myself to like dig deeper into things. Power clings are like the absolute worst thing ever on earth. And like literally today, because I sucked them up so bad, I was like, Alan, we have to do these every day. So I work out with him in person on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then virtual on Tuesday and Thursday. And I was like, every Monday and Wednesday and Friday, we're going to do power clings. And he's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> but um, working out for me, is just a pretty cool outlet. And not only do I work out with him, but there's days where I do two workouts because I just like to feel like energized and revived. So I do like a Zoom workout with this awesome trainer named Megan. Um, She does Zoom workouts on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Saturday. So whenever I'm free for her classes, like I hop on, I pay my $5 and I do my extra hour of hit and I'm good. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I, and it helps with, it helps with that look as well. So like losing as much weight as I lost, a lot of skin can hang and like, you know, you can have a lot of extra slag and flab and like all those things. So I definitely feel like it helps with the toning of the weight loss as well. I feel like, I mean, I have been slacking with my workouts and I've for the last three weeks probably have noticed a serious decrease in my energy like I need to start get, getting back into it because I have been so tired and I think that that I mean I've been working a lot of course but I think that that really participates and I need to like focus on getting back because it really does help oh absolutely and I mean honestly it helps you like because because of the heart health that things working out does where there's lifting weights or cardio because of the heart health, like thinking is better, breathing is better, stress is better because of your body is learning how to circulate all things, energy, blood, <laughs> all those things. So it's just like, yeah. And I mean, I like to sleep. So waking up in the morning is a thing, but like I will look at myself and I'll be like, okay, you have to go. Cause if you don't do it right now, when are you going to do it? So never, you know, yeah, exactly. Six, six thirty is the time. Okay. If it's not six thirty, then yep. it's going to be like, no. This isn't like related to a question. This is just me. I've been cycling the gym too. And I don't know what it is. Like between my rotation in December and then school starting back and it's cold outside. It just, yeah. I haven't been. There's a lot of excuses. 
Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. I'm just making every excuse possible to not do it because I don't want to. I have them too. So I guess we always end our conversations with our same question. So our final question for you is if you have one health and wellness tip that you would like our listeners to leave with today, what would it be? I feel like it's a two-part thing. So set, set realistic goals and don't quit just because the goal is not always easy. That's huge. Yeah. That's awesome. I I think a lot of times like people jump the gun with their goals. Like if you weigh 350 pounds and you say, I want to be 175, Mm -hmm. that can't be your first goal. Like Mm -hmm. it can't be like your first goal is to like motivate yourself to like lose anything so you can't like stop because you didn't get to that 175 in a year or two years like if you stop before you get to a goal then like you're never going to get to the goal so how can you force yourself to get to that goal so set realistic expectations like okay you might want to be 175 but how are you going to get to that 175 that's measurable goals that you can get to in a shorter amount of time absolutely smart goals Yes, smart, we're all about smart goals in my class. Smart goals. <laughs> um, so if, if someone wants to find you or learn more about you being their health coach for Optivia, how can they do that? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm working on some things that are a little bit less social media because I do realize that like that can be intimidating, you know, to tell somebody you want to lose weight on social media because it is. Um, but I am on Instagram. So I'm at Dr. Howell. 1027. So D-R-H-O-W-E-L-1027 on Instagram. And then I'm also on Facebook and my name on uh, Facebook is Devin, D-A-V-O-N Townsend, T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D, Howell, H-O-W-E-L-L. And um, I think on the Instagram, I'm sorry, I forgot, it's Dr. Underscore. So Dr. Underscore Howell, um, 1027. I'll link it. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, I, and I'm I'm also um, the other cool thing that I've been learning about talking to people. So like everybody's situation is very unique and like everybody's not ready to invest a certain amount of money every month or whatever. So I've really been helping people outside of Optavia. Like I've been coming up with ways to help them with meal planning and like just even thinking about eating more during the day. Like some people I talk to are struggling because they only eat twice a day, you know, talking about water intake and just like the habits as well. So it's been really cool to form relationships with people even outside of Optavia and kind of coach them through some things. Awesome. Do you have like a, you should make like a Facebook support group or something. Yeah, I see. I'm working on it. I'm really not creative, believe it or not. I am not a creator. So like I have all these ideas in my mind and I have like all these things flowing. So I met with a couple of people, try to put some things together and hopefully there will be more to come with all these things. Social media gurus. Yes. You learn eventually. Well, thank you again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you all for inviting me. I appreciate it. Of course. Absolutely. I think everything you said, I'm definitely going to take out the program. I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Have a good night. You too. Yeah.